0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of our Topics in Drug Testing Podcast. My name is Frank Samaro, and I'm the Director of Marketing for the Clinical Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest. I'm super excited about today's episode titled Phosphatidyl Ethanol, or PETH Blood Test, which is a new blood test now available for Quest Diagnostics for alcohol detection. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this podcast, and again, as always, it features our Quest's very own toxicology experts, Dr. Jeff Gooden. Dr. Gooden's a pain specialist and a consultant for the toxicology and drug monitoring franchise here at Quest, and Dr. Kane is our director and medical science liaison. Jeff and Jack, it's great to have you with us today. I'll turn it over to you for introductions and to get the discussion started.
1: Well, thanks, Frank. This is Dr. Jeff Gooden joining you again for a podcast sponsored by Quest Diagnostics, where I'm a medical advisor to the Toxicology and Drug Monitoring Division. I'm a pain management anesthesiologist and addiction specialist. And I'm joined today by my colleague and friend, Dr. Jack Kane. Jack, a quick introduction.
2: Hey, Dr. Gooden. Happy to be here and happy to talk about this new test, phosphatidyl ethanol. Great.
1: Phosphatidyl ethanol sounds kind of scary or complicated from a chemistry standpoint. Can you tell us a little bit about what phosphatidyl ethanol is, Jack?
2: Yeah, phosphatidyl ethanol, or let's just call it PETH, going forward in this discussion today. So phosphatidyl ethanol, they're actually a group of abnormal phospholipids formed in the presence of ethanol, otherwise known as alcohol that we're referring to, so drinking alcohol path forms by bonding to the membrane of red blood cells. So phosphatidyl ethanols can remain in blood for as long as four weeks.
1: So, Jack, let me ask you a question. Usually when we think about testing for alcohol, you know, most people know about a breathalyzer, right? That could detect alcohol for up to a couple hours. And I remember you and I, one of our first podcasts, talked about the monitoring of alcohol through urine biomarkers like ethyl sulfate and ethyl glucuronide. Is PETH also a biomarker for alcohol? Is that something we're going to be measuring?
2: Absolutely. So you, you think of the biomarkers for alcohol that we find in urine, ETG and ETS, as you just mentioned, those are formed after someone is exposed to alcohol. So I say exposed could be from an incidental source, such as hand sanitizers, but it could also be from consumption of alcohol and then the alcohol ethanol passes through the body, gets metabolized and forms these two byproducts called ETG and ETS. Well, what we know is that those have a window of detection of 80 hours and they're found in the urine specimen, as I just mentioned. Well, PETH, phosphatidyl ethanol, is found in blood. And what makes it unique is that because it binds to the membrane of red blood cells, that expands the window of detection. So That means it sticks around for a little bit longer than what we would normally see for other alcohol biomarkers.
1: So moving forward, breathalyzer is breath, ETG, ETS is urine, and PETH is a blood test. Is that correct? Correct. And tell us a little bit about the window of detection. How long can it detect alcohol or alcohol metabolites for?
2: Yeah, PETH provides that longer window of detection. And On average, we could see it hover around one to two weeks. There are particular cases where it sticks around for four weeks in chronic or alcohol users.
1: And Jack, it sounds like a great test. I mean, picking up a couple of weeks of detection, we don't get to do that from very many drugs with urine, saliva, or blood. What's the clinical utility of this test?
2: Yeah, absolutely. PATH testing may be useful as a baseline test for identifying alcohol consumption in new patients, transplant candidates, post-transplant recipients, and or patients who've not been monitored for alcohol consumption recently but have been prescribed central nervous system depressants, such as opioids, benzodiazepines, muscle relaxants, and sleep medications. So that longer window detection really does provide utility in certain scenarios for patients. Providers and patients do have to be comfortable with the idea of an invasive blood specimen collection procedure.
1: Being an academic anesthesiologist, obviously transplant comes to mind, right? If we could select the patients who are being compliant and not drinking, let's say, before a liver transplant, that's great. So it's measured in the blood. Give us an idea of the ranges of detectable levels or where do we think is positive? What are the cutoffs?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So at Quest, we actually look for two homologues of PATH. So we look for PL PATH and PO PATH. And so if we look at PL PATH, the reference ranges can be delineated between probable abstinence or probable chronic drinking just because a patient is negative for instance say less than 20 nanograms per milliliter we could say probable abstinence but it doesn't mean that we know with absolute certainty that they haven't had a drink so it all just depends on consumption of a substance and time of collection but greater than 200 nanograms per milliliter Dr Gooden that we saw where we could opine that this is probable chronic drinking so it is a more direct marker of actual consumption of alcohol and helps kind of rule out the idea of incidental exposure to alcohol. Oh, this patient just used hand sanitizer. So that's why they're positive.
1: Yeah, Jack, I mean, it's just remarkable. You think about heart or lung transplants, we have the ability to measure nicotine and other tobacco-like substances. For liver transplants, now we have the ability to measure alcohol. There's been about 25,000 or so transplants each year in the US. There's over 100,000 people waiting on the transplant list. So these organs are hard to come by. And having the ability to monitor for harmful behaviors, the use of these substances in this patient population is really important for transplant patients. So there are different variables about how long a patient is required to be drug or alcohol free, but you have to test these patients so you know that the organ is going to a responsible, qualified patient, not somebody that's going to ruin the next organ that they get. So that it's good to see that Quest Diagnostics has come up with this evaluation to help clinicians with the overall care and assessment of this transplant patients. All right, so I'm a clinician out there in practice. How do I know whether to order PATH versus, let's say, ETG
2: or ETS? Yeah, if clinicians want that longer window of detection associated with PATH, which is up to four weeks, Peth might be a good option for them. If blood drug testing fits in their practice, Peth might be a good option for them. But if they want to capture very recent use of alcohol or alcohol exposure, maybe ETG and ETS and urine might be a suitable option as well. So it really is situational. It depends on the patient and the provider and what fits into their workflow, the patient care process.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, if a patient has a hard time giving urine, sure, we could do a blood test. You mentioned alcohol hand sanitizers or mouthwashes. I mean, that affects ETG and ETS, and less so on PETH, so certainly something that clinicians can keep in mind. So, here we have more differences about ETG, ETS versus ethanol. We mentioned with PETH, you get a couple of week window of detection versus a couple of day window of detection. So, we're not ordering PETH testing to look for somebody who has an occasional drink, right, a casual drinker. We're looking for that person that has an alcohol use disorder who's drinking very frequently and would be at risk from, let's say, transplant or other comorbid conditions. As a reminder, ETG-ETS is a urine test, ethanol or PETH is a blood test, and at Quest,
2: it's done by liquid chromatography. Is that correct, Jack? Yeah, LC-MS-MS. So it is a confirmation and a quantitative value is provided, which helps with interpretive guidance.
1: Tell us a little bit about requirements for collection.
2: Yeah, it is a whole blood specimen collected in lavender top tube, minimum volumes around 0.5 milliliters, refrigerated, stability requirements, generally five days at room temperature, refrigerated for 30 days or frozen for 30 days, pretty standard. That's great.
1: And Jack, what does the report look like? I think he gave us some insights into the cutoffs already.
2: Exactly. So the reports will show the two homologs that we look for, which is po Peth, and PL path. So PO path will have more literature surrounding the interpretive guidance of phosphatidyl ethanol. So you heard me mention if the result is less than 20 nanograms per milliliter, then it's probable abstinence. Well, our report will just say negative if it's less than 20. If it's greater than that, then alcohol consumption is definitely a consideration when monitoring the patient right? and definitely a concern.
1: That's great. Well, Jack, this is one of our shorter podcasts, but nonetheless, very informative. Again, as a reminder, Quest Diagnostics has a comprehensive menu for toxicology and drug monitoring. Uh, Laboratory equipment has high sensitivity, low cutoff levels, really can detect all drugs that we test for at typical dosage levels. Remember that we have both urine and oral fluid testing. Jack and I did a podcast on oral fluid testing a ways back as well. We have this optional medmatch result interpretation where you as the clinician tell us what you've ordered and we tell you whether the specimen results are consistent or inconsistent with what the patient is supposed to have in their specimen. Our representatives are able to provide you with a detailed customized report of not just your practice, but local and even national analytics about what drug testing looks like and which drugs are common in which geographies. We have an Rx Tox line, that's toxicology experts that are ready to answer your questions about test ordering or test results. And Quest is in network for 90% of lives nationwide. So keep in mind that we have a full menu of laboratory services, usually covered by your
2: patient's insurance.
1: Jack, any closing comments?
2: Oh, very excited to have phosphatidyl ethanol test here at Quest Diagnostics. And as always, you'll have your medical experts here to provide you with any guidance you need for the appropriate drug tests for your practice.
1: That sounds great. This is Jeff Gooden, accompanied by my colleague, Dr. Jack Kane. Thank you for joining us today for another Quest podcast. Please visit Quest Drug Testing or questdrugmonitoring.com for the previous episodes of podcasts and stay tuned for future podcasts coming to you in the near future. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Okay, well, thanks, Jeff and Jack. And that does it for our discussion on PETH, the new blood test from Quest Diagnostics for Alcohol Detection. I'd like to thank our experts, Dr. Guden and Dr. Kane. And as Dr. Gooden alluded to, to learn more about our drug monitoring offering here at Quest, please visit our website, questdrugmonitoring.com. To listen to this and all our other podcasts, be sure to visit questdrugtesting.com or you can simply subscribe through your favorite podcast venue.